0: Welcome to Locked on Box. I'm your host, Kane Pittman here. As the dust is settling in Chicago after another big All-Star weekend, I've spent the last three days talking, watching basketball, hanging out with people, so my voice is a little shot right now. uh, Please forgive me for that. But I think the question has to be, as we sit here right now, has the NBA fixed the All-Star game? It was an incredible atmosphere, incredible intensity, incredible drama. Really, with this with this finish to the All Star Game last night. Uh, now, first of all, I will say this podcast is coming to you guys a little bit later than usual. By the time I got out of the United Center last night, uh, it was just not happening. It has been uh, <laughs> a really busy uh, weekend here, as as I'm sure you guys uh, imagine and. I was really excited to see so many Bucs fans in the in the arena. Obviously, oh, we know that, that Milwaukee fans are, are traveling well now, but it was good to see a couple of guys. I was able to catch up with some people or saw some Bucs fans and they recognized me or I knew them from, from Milwaukee. So that was a whole lot of fun. But the night in general, we'll start with Sunday night. So Team LeBron beats Team Giannis 157-155. And... It was really an incredible finish to this game. And, and unlike anything that that I remember seeing from an All-Star game in terms of how badly both teams wanted this down the stretch. And defense was... I mean, we've said this before, and I've seen this, where people say, oh, there was defense in, in the All-Star game. And it's like, yeah, sure. Maybe for like the last four or five possessions, the teams played defense. But uh, in this game, we saw two teams legitimately going at it for the entire fourth quarter, which I was actually trying to look this fourth quarter felt like it went for longer than any other quarter that they played. So it felt like it went for longer than, than 12 minutes. Uh, I I know I saw a box score in the media room last night, the United said that it was uh, just a fraction over 12 minutes. I, I don't know whether that's been confirmed, but it was remarkable, really, because when we were looking at uh, when we were looking at this at the start, and, and I, I know I was timing through each quarter. when you looked at the first quarter of this All-Star game, it was five minutes and 24 seconds it took for Team LeBron to, to get 24 points. <laughs> so when you're looking at that, you're like, well, okay, uh, this fourth quarter might, might end in a hurry." But the way that the game built up, the way momentum built, and the fact that the fourth quarter, not only were you playing to win the game, but uh, the the charity the charity money went over uh, rolled over from the third quarter because uh, the scores were tied uh, in that third quarter. So just to, just to recap this for anyone that didn't know, so for the first three quarters, the the idea was that the score would reset at the start of co- at the start of the quarter, and for each of uh, quarter one, two, three, whoever won that individual quarter would win hundred thousand dollars for a a local chicago charity uh team lebron won the first quarter comfortably team Giannis won the second quarter comfortably and then the third quarter scores were tied 41 41 which meant that that rolled over to the final period so it created drama just in itself through that and i know that i got called out and i'm not going to say where i got called out here but there is a, a listener of Of the pod. I don't want to, I'm not going to mention their Twitter handle because I'm not looking to put them on blast for this. But when I was in my Uber back from the arena, from the United Center last night, I saw that a tweet that I threw out in the first quarter was retweeted. And it was me saying that I'm not sure if the early returns are anything to go by. I'm not sure whether playing for local charities is going to lift the intensity of the All Star game. Now, clearly, if you watched the last quarter, you would say, well, that was a bad take. But if anyone watched the first quarter of this All Star Game and thought that the new rules had changed anything, then you were kidding yourself. Team LeBron scored fifty three points in the first quarter. Then Team Giannis scored fifty one in the second. It wasn't working. <laughs> but you know, I I don't think that you're going to be able to get an All Star Game in the first quarter that that players play with intensity. Like you're just not going to be able to. And the reality is the way that they played the fourth quarter in this one was not sustainable for an entire game. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was unbelievable uh, to have the best players in the league going at each other defensively. And I want to touch on a few specifics as we, as we keep on uh, moving here, but I just wanted to point that out. That's not, that's not forget the first quarter. Okay. So anyone that's trying to call me out for, for that tweet, I'm leaving it up there and regret that the first quarter was terrible. We all know that. So quickly, before we get to our first break here, we're going to mention the Bucks players, Giannis. Unfortunately, I won four in all-star games now. (laughs) He just can't seem to win one. This is the second year in a row that his team has had a big lead and have been unable to hold off uh, Team team LeBron. And I want to get into this a little bit as we keep rolling because uh, Giannis did not touch the ball late uh that's that's not uh messing around here they didn't put the ball on his hands and they lost the game so you can read into that what you will but Giannis finishes with 25 points 11 rebounds four assists a steal three blocks 12 or 21 from the field one for four from three over two from the free throw line but uh, maybe we want to ignore that he played 30 minutes And Chris Middleton uh, played 23 minutes off the bench, uh, just two for seven from the field, one for five from three, finished with just five points, uh, one rebound, two assists. He did have and finished an off-the-backboard (laughs) alley-oop. So uh, while Chris Middleton didn't have uh, as memorable of an All-Star game as he did last season in Charlotte, uh, that is a highlight enough uh, for me to say that this was his a success and I had I you know before I wrap this up I'm going to go back to All-Star Saturday night so we'll uh, discuss uh, the rest of his weekend but uh, Milton not a lot to write home about from this All-Star game but uh it was still fun nonetheless to see him out there for a second time playing with Giannis I'm hoping that this is something that we just get used to seeing over the next three four five years because uh, it's a lot of fun to see those guys out there but when we get back Let's talk about the fourth quarter and let's talk defense with Giannis because uh, it was pretty special what we saw. All right, so the fourth quarter rolls around of this All-Star game. And for me, Giannis set the tone defensively. I mean, he was, uh, I made the comment, but he, he was manic in the way that we know how competitive he is but it was as if he sat there and decided, "I'm going to guard LeBron. I'm going to guard Anthony Davis. I'm going to guard James Harden. I'm just going to guard everyone. I don't even care. Like, get out of the way. I'm going to run from from each player. I'm going to switch. Nick Nurse was switching a lot uh, defensively, and it was like Giannis was actively seeking those matchups and wanting to defend the best. And this is why we love this guy. Like, let's be real about this, because he, he even in an All Star game, he does not shy away from the challenge of defending the best. He wants to take them on. And we saw this three times in the fourth quarter. So you talk about an All-Star game and what this means to players and over the past, you know, decade, 15 years where the All-Star game has become a bit of a joke in regards to players really just treating it as a weekend to hang out with each other, have fun, go out. This is like now legitimately swinging. I think there was a couple of factors here and there's no question for mine that the, the fact that uh, the, all the tributes to Kobe Bryant, the pregame staff, Jennifer Hudson, obviously an incredible performance. There's no doubt that this played a factor with guys wanting to be competitive and wanting to play hard. But I will say that we've seen this now for consecutive years with Giannis, that if you have a guy like that, the reigning MVP, legitimately the best player in the league right now, saying well, screw this, I'm going hard. I want to win this game. Then the trickle-down effect is going to see other players feel the same way and the competitive juices are going to start to flow and they're going to go at each other. And we saw two of the most incredible blocks you will ever see on LeBron James from Giannis in the fourth quarter of this game. First time, LeBron, we've seen this endlessly throughout his career. He had uh, Giannis... He was backing him down or trying to back him down, picked up his dribble, used his shoulder to try and clear out Giannis, as we've seen him do. He gets away with that, sort of shoves his head, shoulder right into Giannis's chest, and then goes for the step back jump shot. Giannis was able to recover and still swat the shot. Now, in the very next possession, Anthony Davis tries to go to the basket and Giannis swats him. And the crowd was electric at this point. It was incredible from Giannis to see him play defense of that caliber against guys that were, you know, really trying to score on him. And and I couldn't help but watch those two possessions and say, okay, uh, yeah, this this might be uh, a preview of the NBA Finals. And yeah, we know we know that the the Bucks and Lakers have got one more game uh, to come up here in March in LA, which is going to be a whole lot of fun. We know the Lakers are going to be trying to bounce back from the loss in Milwaukee, but. To see Giannis defend those two guys on back-to-back possessions uh, was was really, really fun. And that wasn't even the best block that Giannis had in this game. He had the chase-down block when the game was very close to being uh, finished here, and, and it looked like a goaltend for all money. If you guys uh, haven't seen this one, you really, really need to get on social media and check this and, and make your own decision. I thought on first look there was absolutely no chance that Giannis got it. The first two or three times I watched the replay, I thought there was no chance that Giannis got it. And he still, uh, after replay, somehow managed to get a finger on that ball before it touched the glass. And let's be real about this. There is absolutely no, no other player in the league on planet Earth that could have got that block on LeBron James. There's guys that are long. There's guys that can uh, protect the rim. You know, you think about Rudy Gobert, guys like this, but they wouldn't have been fast enough to recover once LeBron got past them and then swat that shot. Giannis is just, he, he's just incredible. And, and that was, I mean, that is, a, that is a, a memorable highlight that they will probably play when his career is said and done. And yeah, you say, well, it's just an all-star game. They're not going to be doing that. But given what this meant, given what this game meant, that down the stretch was a remarkable play from Giannis. And, uh, you know, defensively, there's not much more he could have done uh, to get his team over the line. And and I personally love it. I love that Giannis desperately wants to win the All-Star game. Yeah, he's 0 for 4 at this point. But I just love his competitive nature. I love that he doesn't care that this is uh, supposed to be a, a showcase where the guys get together and everyone's friends. He's like, I don't want to be friends with you. I just want to win the damn game. And I really love it. That's why he is the competitor he is. That's why he's become the player he has become in Milwaukee because he has that attitude. He doesn't care if you like him. He just wants to play basketball against you and beat you. And (laughs) we saw again, or we heard a great line from Giannis in the post-game press conference. So we know when Giannis was picking the teams for this game that he did not pick James Harden and he made the comment on TNT and he was laughing, he was smiling. He said, I want guys on my team that will pass the ball. And everyone laughed and it was hilarious and you're like, okay, this is a nice little dig here from Giannis at uh, uh, James Harden. Well, in the post-game press conference last night, Giannis was asked what the offensive strategy was for, uh, for his team down the stretch and he said, well, you know, uh, basically... It was uh, pretty much just trying to identify who had the matchup with James Harden and, and basically going at him. And there was, uh, there was audible laughter from people around me in the media when they heard Giannis say this because he said this completely deadpan. He wasn't smiling. This was like legitimate, what they were trying to do. But people don't reveal that. There's no way people come out and say, oh, yeah, we were, we were actually targeting a guy in an All-Star game. People don't say that. But I love it. James Harden last year spent the entire season crying about the MVP and saying that, oh, well, I should get this. People don't respect me. He didn't get it because he didn't deserve it. And Giannis was better than him. And Giannis has been better than him again this season. And now he's just throwing these barbs at James Harden. And even if they are unintentional from Giannis, I love it. I'm here for all the James Harden slander in this one. But we should quickly talk about the offensive strategy of Team Giannis down the stretch because when I look at the play-by-play and it's kind of tough when you're looking at the box score here because uh, you don't actually have a time, which is, you know, obviously the great thing about this this All-Star game. But Giannis' last shot attempt came with the score 138-144. Now, we know that Team LeBron won this game 157-155. So... The fact that Giannis did not have another shot after that is is quite remarkable. And to be honest, over the last five or six possessions of this game, it did not feel like he touched the ball. And I I don't know why this happened. I don't know how this happened. Kemba Walker was obviously getting up a bunch of shots uh, that he was largely missing. Joel Embiid was... They were really trying to force feed Joel Embiid in the post. And it was interesting because I was watching this thinking... I was thinking about Ben Simmons when I was watching Joel Embiid in this game because, uh, you know, Ben Simmons was on the opposition. And I was like, well, you know, let's see what, uh, let's see what Team Giannis do down the stretch here. If they're going to force-feed Joel Embiid, you just get a glimpse into why it's, it's kind of difficult for the Philadelphia 76ers late in games when they don't have the spacing. And the Bucs had obviously Siakam and Giannis out there as well. So not great three-point shooting. And it was too predictable for the opposition when Embiid had the ball in the post. And even on one of those possessions, Simmons actually just came in for the quick double team, stripped the ball and team LeBron were away. And I I think they scored down the other end. So I I just thought that there should have been more possessions, more opportunities for Giannis to have the ball offensively. Because remember the fourth quarter started with team Giannis leading 133 to 124, which is why uh, the, The winning score was 157, obviously 24 above 133. So, uh, you know, team Giannis in the end gets outscored 33 to 22 in the fourth. And I just did not think that Nick Nurse was doing enough offensively to get other guys the ball. I remember Giannis was leading all scorers with 25 points uh, to start the fourth. So when I think back to last year's all-star game in Charlotte, Giannis had 38 points, 11 rebounds and really only didn't get the MVP because the team lost the game late. Russell Westbrook shot and bricked every single shot he took. And that's what cost Giannis the MVP. This year, I'm willing to say Nick Nurse cost Giannis the MVP. He was doing it all defensively. But offensively, Nick Nurse did not get him the ball. And if you're a conspiracy theorist, you might say that Nick Nurse was trying to play with Giannis's head by not giving him the ball in the fourth quarter. I don't know. It was frustrating to watch. I just would have liked to see him Uh, Have more opportunities to try and score, more opportunities to try and win this game. All right, so two final things I want to bring up about the All Star game on Sunday night before I move on to a little bit of Pat Connor and chatter from Saturday night and then look to wrap this thing up. First thing, do we think that this scoring system in the All Star game was rigged through the the first three quarters? (laughs) Now, I only say this because when you look at it, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Team LeBron wins the first quarter 53-41. Team Giannis wins the second quarter 51-30. The third quarter ends in a tie, and there was actually intentionally fouling to send guys to the free throw line in the third quarter of an All-Star game. It was remarkable. The crowd was into it. It was fantastic. But the, the fact that it ended in a tie... You might raise your eyebrows with that and you might say, well, uh, was this all put on so we can get the most drama out of the fourth quarter? I don't know. But I also don't really care because when I was a child, I was, I was a big WWE fan, WWF fan. I love Stone Cold, love The Rock, which is why the, the Bucks pregame wrestling routine I love. I think it's fantastic. I get a lot of enjoyment out of that because it brings me back to my childhood. Those were the types of things that uh, I loved watching. And I knew that wrestling was fake and I still didn't care. I loved the drama. I loved the intensity. I loved the pure entertainment factor of of what I was watching. So if this all-star game was rigged, I didn't even care. You can rig it every single year. I'm not not worried about that. I just wanted to point out that the scoring through the first three quarters of this game was very, uh, let's say, convenient for uh, what you're trying to achieve from the fourth quarter. And then uh, the fourth quarter, obviously, they just go hell for leather and go at each other. And it does not get much better than that until the game ends on a free throw. Anthony Davis hit the free throw uh, to end the game to bring up 0.157. He actually missed the first one, which created a little bit of drama because I think everyone was sitting there saying, well, okay, uh, maybe he might miss the second and we're going to get this game extended a little bit. Uh, He did hit the second and finish the game. And I just think, if you get to that point where the game's going to end in a free throw, just just get rid of the officials all together. Get them off the floor. Let these players play. They're not going to hurt each other. They're just going to go at each other. If there's fouls, fine. Someone's eventually going to hit a jump shot. Someone's going to hit a three, and they're going to end the game. We can't have, after all that drama, the crowd was absolutely electric in the United Center. We can't have that game ending on a free throw. So, you know, after... Uh, and also, again, that like I said, right from the top was, was potentially the, the best I've ever seen. I mean, it was the best I've ever seen. I'm not going to... Let's not beat around the bush here. It was the best All-Star game I've ever seen. To have that end on a free throw was the only uh, somewhat uh, downfall from the night. But other than that, just an incredible game altogether. Now, All-Star Saturday night was interesting for the Bucks Three-point shootout. We'll just mention Buddy Heald won that. That was a lot of fun. There was no Bucks involved. We don't need to talk about that. Skills Challenge, Chris Milton. I don't know really what to say about this. His All-Star Saturday Night struggles somewhat continued. He did manage to get through the first round in the Skills Challenge, beating Shea uh, Gildas Alexander, but then went down to Demantis Sabonis in the second round, essentially just because Chris Milton just lost the handle dribbling the ball down the court. It was unfortunate. I was hoping he was going to get to the final and potentially win this thing. When I was previewing, uh, All-Star Weekend, I, I mentioned the fact that he was a great pull-up three shooter, and that might be an advantage. We saw this in the, in the matchup with Sabonis. He was still able to get uh, back to the three-point line and shoot those threes. He missed a couple of them, and in the end, he admitted this when I asked him about this after the, after the, uh, the contest. You get sort of a little bit distracted when someone's racing you, when someone's shooting the ball right next to you. He got caught in mind where the, the third one, he actually tried to uh, throw the ball and knocks the bonuses shot away. So uh, <laughs> it, it's kind of just a unique, unique situation for these shooters that aren't used to being in that position. But uh, I made this comment, but Chris Milton eliminated in the first round in the three-point shootout a couple of times. Now he's made to the second round of the skills challenge. Uh, we've seen him throw down a dunk off the backboard uh, against uh, in the All-Star game, sorry. So maybe that means the dunk contest could be next. He completely denied this when he was asked the question uh, after the skills challenge, he said the dunk contest is not in my mind, but I'm calling it now. Get Chris Middleton dunk contest. His progression on All-Star Saturday night is going to continue and he's going to be a dunk contest champion uh, in the future. <laughs> but Pat Connaughton was in the dunk contest and after all the speculation in the days leading up, Christian Alic was there. He played a part in the first dunk for Pat Connaughton. The first dunk that was completely rigged by the officials. Let's not beat around the bush here. Yeah. And again, I'm totally fine with the fact that Derek Jones Jr. and Aaron Gordon were, in, were the final two dunkers. Like, it's fine. Like, those, th- those two guys are incredible, amazing, elite athletes and can throw down just some, some ridiculous dunks. But that doesn't change the fact that Pat Connaughton did not get through the first round and I think you could make a strong case to say that he's dunk the one over to Giannis where he jumps over Giannis, picks up the ball, taps the ball on the backboard and then throws it down. Like, there is a real case to say that that was the best dunk in the first round. He got scored 50 for that one. But he didn't make it through and that was the last we saw of Pat connor And I think that's what was tough to swallow for uh, Pat Conner fans, Bucks fans, is the fact that, he legitimately might have had the best dunk in the contest to that point and he got eliminated. The dunk contest scoring in general just does not make sense to me. You saw how much of a factor Dwayne Wade giving Pat Connaughton an eight on the Yelich dunk affected him. I mean, if, if Dwayne Wade had have actually... I mean, I don't even know how he gave him eight, first of all. It was a great dunk. First attempt, Pat Connaughton jumped over Yelich, finished the dunk. No other guy finished on their first attempt. And I don't know how other guys can get a better score than you when they don't get the first dunk. I I don't know. Like There has to be a a maximum score that you can get if you don't make the first dunk. So I don't know what it may be. Maybe if you miss your first attempt, then you can only get nines. If you miss it the second time, you can only get eights. If you miss it the third time, you can only get sevens. I I don't know. But it, it just does not make sense to me that someone can finish a dunk on their first attempt and and still get a lower score than than some of the other participants. It doesn't make sense to me. And also, I saw this suggested on Twitter, and I I think I wish I knew who this was so I could give them the credit for this. But if you did tweet this out, then certainly uh, make sure you let me know. But I've seen someone say, well, everyone should just have a, a score out of fifty. The judges should just have a score out of fifty because, I mean, if you, if you get five nines, obviously it's forty five. But the difference between that. And then, and then, obviously, a 50 is, is too great. So maybe it should just be, okay, well, uh, I don't think that that dunk was quite a, a 50, but it was slightly under that. So I'm going to give you a 47.5 or a 48. And I think that would be a much fairer scoring system in terms of uh, guys legitimately saying, okay, yeah, uh, I, this dunk was really good, but I don't feel compelled to give you a 50. Like Aaron Gordon was great. Don't get me wrong. He was probably rigged. I mean, he jumped over a frigging seven foot six guy, <laughs> so uh, he, he, you know, justifiably can feel like he was he was ripped off uh, from from winning this uh, dunk contest. But he like the fifties are too easy to get, and I, I just think they need to change the scoring system so this uh, is a little more let's say even going forward so you don't have that disparity. And and at the end of the day, Pat Conner was so much fun to have there. He jumped over one MVP and Christian Jalic in his first dunk. He jumped uh, over Giannis for a second MVP with his second dunk. I asked him after the contest whether he had Ryan Broad and Aaron Rodgers hiding away uh, somewhere on the sidelines if he did make it through to the final. And he, he he had a good laugh at that and said that he did actually speak to Aaron Rodgers but because it was so close to the end of the season. Uh, he didn't want to bother him and he didn't think Aaron would be available to to come to Chicago. He's probably off somewhere in that that beach house that he bought, that that little shack uh, that he bought uh, a few months ago. But um, I would say for Packers fans who have high hopes of Green Bay making long playoff runs for the foreseeable future, uh, maybe you can scratch Aaron Rodgers from potential future dunk contests if that is uh is that if that is anything to go by but uh just again an incredible all-star weekend i had so much fun i i'm i'm very fortunate uh that i was able to be there uh for anyone other box fans that were there i hope you enjoyed it for anyone who watched it on tv i hope you uh had a great time as well just as far as the podcast goes i'm still gonna podcast tonight so i'm gonna podcast again in a few hours to get that out for uh the tuesday morning commute so we'll be back to to regular scheduling there. Frank, I'm not sure if he's back on uh, solid footing yet. I'm not sure. I think I saw on Twitter that he was watching the All-Star game from the cruise ship. But uh, either way, there'll be someone with me. So you guys don't have to keep listening to me go by myself over here. But uh, in the end, Team LeBron beats Team Giannis 157-155. It was just an incredible game, incredible spectacle. And now, very quickly, we turn our attention to the back end of the season. Uh, remember, the Bucs, uh, they're piecing together a, a little uh, decent season of their own here, 46-8. and eight. There's a championship run for the Bucks coming up here. So this is really exciting now. We get to uh, start legitimately talking about playoff basketball, the run home, uh, big games this week for the Bucs. Obviously, Thursday, they have got the tr- Detroit Pistons, and then they get the Sixers again. So uh, this is going to be a big week for the Bucs, but plenty of time to talk about that. But for myself, Kane Pittman and Frank Madden, hopefully on home soil now as we speak. <laughs> we'll be back in just a few hours.